In today's episode, we're going over an evidence-based guide to exercise prescription after ACL reconstruction surgery. Let's do it. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for your support. You truly allow me to do what I love for a living. My name is Dan Pope. I am a physical therapist, I'm a personal trainer, and I am a meathead. I love all things fitness. This is the Fitness Pain-Free Show, where we help coaches and physical therapists like you get your patients out of pain and back in the gym where they belong. If you're watching this on YouTube, please hit that like button, comment, and subscribe. It helps me out a ton. If you want to help me out even more, leave a positive rating to this podcast wherever you're listening to it, all right? If you really want to go that extra step and support me, consider subscribing to Fitness Pain-Free Insiders. It's a comprehensive educational resource and toolkit for the fitness and rehab professional. It's kind of like Netflix, but for physical therapists and personal trainers. It's all created by me, and I've been updating this monthly for the past five to six years or so. Uh, you've got over 100 webinars, ebooks, and complete guides. You have access to a private Facebook group. Have all your questions answered by me. You can decide upcoming podcast topics, and it's only one dollar to get started. After that, it's twelve ninety nine per month. Afterwards, super duper cheap, and you can cancel at any time. So, if you really want to support me, this is the way to do it. And if you want to continue your education with me, this is the next logical step. So I'll leave a link in the show notes, but if you want to check it out, you can also go to fitnesspainfree.com, click on the programs tab, and click on Fitness Pain-Free Insiders Online Library, and you can get started. I've got another freebie for you today, so you can follow along pretty easily with the lesson, and also you can reference some of the things I talk about in today's lesson quite easily. I've made an evidence-based guide to exercise selection for ACL reconstruction infographic, and like I said, it's got the bullet point of excuse me bullet points of today's lessons. Uh, some of the things that we answer are why do we care about exercise selection after ACL reconstruction, how to dose exercise for ACL patients, and when is it safe to start open chain knee extensions. You can check this out. I'll put a link in the bio. All right. That way you can follow along and you can go back and just check out the things you learned about today in today's lesson. Okay. In today's lesson, we're going over a research study called Cruciate Ligament Loading During Common Knee Rehabilitation Exercises. This is by Escamillo et al., and it's from 2012. I know a lot of folks are getting mad at me. This is such an old uh, article, but I learned so much from this article, and then I started to share some of what I've learned on Instagram and a lot of positive feedback. So I wanted to take a little bit of a deeper dive into this article. We're going to talk about some other articles as well, but the meat and potatoes of everything we're talking about today is coming from this paper right here. So I'll leave the link in the show notes. You can guys, you guys can check that out afterwards if you want to read through the paper yourself. So what are the key points that we're going to be going over today in this podcast? So the first thing we're going to go over is why do we even care about stress on the ACL after reconstruction, right? Uh, we are concerned about things like ACL graft stretching and graft failure, obviously. And the other thing we're going to be talking a bit about is ligamentization. So one thing to keep in mind is that after you have ACL reconstruction, right? Let's say you get that from your patellar tendon or hamstring tendon, or maybe it's a cadaver graft that has to turn into a ligament over the course of time. Okay. So the next thing we're going to chat about is how exercise choice affects stress on the ACL, right? We're going to talk a lot about quadriceps and hamstring co-contraction. And if we get this to work in our favor, we reduce stress on the ACL. We're also going to talk a bit about open and closed chain exercises for the ACL. There's a pretty big difference. Okay. We'll chat about this. 
Next, we'll talk about how much stress goes on the ACL during common exercises. So talking about open versus closed chain exercises, but also just going over, you know, the most common knee rehab exercise you see generally in a physical therapy program. So things like squats, lunges, step ups, running, jumping, all that stuff, right? We'll also talk about adding loads, right? And also adding speed is okay to increase the weight when I'm doing a lunge or a squat. Is that going to increase stress in the ACL? How about if I go a little faster? How does that affect things? All right. So we'll kind of chat about that. And lastly, when is it safe to use open kinetic chain knee extension exercises? I know this is a really hot topic. And to be completely honest, I am not the biggest expert out there to give this answer, but we'll chat a bit about what the literature says and then some of the top um, experts that I follow and what their recommendations are. And then hopefully that'll give you a bit of a better idea of how to choose these exercises for your patients, right? The next thing that's really important to keep in mind is that stress on the ACL is not the only consideration uh, with exercise prescription after ACL reconstruction, okay? So we're also thinking about what is weak, right? So if you strength test your patients and you're finding that like, okay, hip abduction is weak, probably got to strengthen that, right? We have to worry about movement mechanics. So this is with lunging, squatting, running, jumping, landing, all that stuff is very important. Uh, we are thinking a lot about incorporating impact. And when we do that, we're thinking a lot about when we should return to sport, okay? Conditioning is also a big part of rehabilitation here. Uh, we are not talking about all of these things today. Okay. That's a topic for another day about putting all these things together. We're simply talking about exercise and the amount of stress on the ACL graft. Okay. That's the big thing. The other piece to keep in mind is that oftentimes after ACL reconstruction surgery, you have what's called concomitant pathology. So that just means that other areas of the knee get hurt along with the ACL. Okay. And we have to respect healing injury sites uh, besides just the ACL graft itself. Okay. And that could be the medial meniscus. It could be the MCL. That could be some sort of cartilage injury, right? And this is going to affect weight bearing status. So depending on the surgeon that you have, and depending on the type of meniscus damage you have, you may have a meniscus repair, for example, and this may reduce the range of motion that you're allowed at the knee and also delay uh, your weight bearing status. Okay. So we have to think about these things when we're rehabilitating, right? So the other piece is that let's say that I have an MCL injury and I want to do, let's say a lateral lunge, that's probably going to be delayed a little bit further, um, in the process of ACL reconstruction rehab. But as you'll see in a bit, a lateral lunge is actually very, very little stress on the ACL graft, but I wouldn't be throwing that at an MCL, um, patient very quickly after they've had, um, a surgery for ACL reconstruction. We have to think about all these variables, right? The last thing to keep in mind is that after you've had an ACL injury, you have a traumatized joint. So the injury itself can tear the ACL, but can also cause, let's say a bone bruise on one side of the joint it creates a lot of swelling, right? So you have a traumatized joint. Okay. So despite squatting, putting very little stress on the ACL graft, doesn't mean that we can throw this at our athletes right away after surgery because we have an irritated mad joint that's mad in a lot of areas, right? It's not just a graft that we have to worry about. To double down after you've had surgery, that's even more trauma to the joint itself. Okay. So we can't load too fast after surgery, despite certain movements being very low stress, the ACL graft. They are high stress to the knee joint itself. And we have to make sure we dose things appropriately, starting low and then working up over the course of time. So why should physical therapists care about exercise selection after ACL reconstruction? Well, first and foremost, 
when you exercise, it's going to stress the knee. It's going to stress the ACL or the graft after you've had surgery. And in general, stress, stress is neither good nor bad. So too much stress can obviously, obviously be problematic. We can stretch out the graft over the course of time, which is not something that you want. You can also cause failure, and that's not a good thing, right? The other piece is that we probably want a little bit of stress through the graft that may actually help with tissue healing over the course of time. So probably not a bad thing. It's just that we probably want to make sure that we're dosing appropriately so people can kind of optimally progress over the course of time. The other thing to think about with ACL reconstruction, and it's a little bit weird, it's different than other types of surgeries, is that when you have ACL reconstruction surgery, that ACL is actually pretty dang strong once you put it in. And what happens is that the graft undergoes changes over the course of time, right? So after you have the graft placed in, the graft go through, go, excuse me, goes through a period of necrosis, okay? So part of the graft dies for the first six to eight weeks. When you're around six to eight weeks, and this is going to vary based on the study, all right? Uh, this study is from Mansky. You can check that out, link in the, in the show notes. Um, you will have a weaker graft at week six to eight compared to when you put that graft in initially, okay? And then after that, you have a revascularization that occurs and ligamentization, which actually takes years to finish up, all right? So what's going to happen is that you have a graft that's a little bit stronger right after surgery and actually gets weakest around six to eight weeks. Again, this really depends on the study you look at, but you have to think about this a bit because people start to feel better around six to eight weeks. And if we're going, you know, absolutely nuts with our exercise selection, we might be putting a little bit too much stress on the ACL reconstruction. Okay. So just keep that in mind. All right. And I'm going to make this argument today that exercise selection really matters. And there's a large variance in ACL stress amongst different exercises. So as physical therapists, it really helps if we have an understanding of what has, you know, a lot of stress on the ACL versus a little stress on the ACL. Now, obviously, we probably want to start with low stress on the ACL. And as we progress through the rehab process, just start to increase, 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 right? The last thing to keep in mind is that the ACL has to handle a lot of stress during sports. So we have to prepare the ACL to be able to do that, okay? So we need to know how to start low and build up high. Which exercise do I choose along the way to be smart in this process? So let's talk a little bit about quadriceps and hamstring co-contraction, okay? And this is a challenging concept to wrap your head around. If you've never been taught this before, all right? I have some good images here that talk about and kind of uh, display what I'm about to talk about. So if you're watching an audio version of this, I apologize. I'd say, you know, head over to YouTube at some point to check this out. I'll try to describe this as best as I can. All right. But if you think about your quadriceps, so imagine you're sitting down, okay, and knee is bent to 90 degrees. Quadriceps is the muscle on the top of your thigh. It is going to wrap around, attaches to your kneecap, which wraps around the knee and attaches to your tibia. Okay. And when you fire your quadricep, think about a seated knee extension, right? You're firing your quad. That's going to extend the knee, right? That makes sense. Okay. Quadricep fires, it shortens, tugs on the tibia, brings the leg up. Okay. Extends the knee. The other thing that happens within the joint is that when you fire that quad, it's going to draw the tibia anteriorly. So it shears the tibiofemoral joint anteriorly. Okay. Now the ACL normally checks that or resists that motion, okay? And after you've had ACL reconstruction, when you fire that quad, and we'll talk about this quite a bit more later, you're going to cause an anterior shear, and that's going to put stress on the graft, okay? 
So that's one of the most important things to keep in mind here. Now, the hamstring muscle actually does the opposite, all right? So your hamstring attaches to the lower leg, just like the quadricep does, but it attaches on the backside of the lower leg, right? And when it fires, it imparts a posterior force to the tibiofemoral joint. So it pulls the tibia posteriorly, okay? It does the exact opposite of what the quadricep does, okay? So in some ways, the hamstring helps out the ACL because when it fires, okay, it acts as a dynamic stabilizer of the tibiofemoral joint and assists the ACL or reduces some of the stress on the ACL, okay? So when you fire the quad, it pulls the tibia anteriorly and increases stress on the ACL or ACL graft after surgery. And when you fire the hamstring, it reduces stress on the ACL by imparting a posterior translation of the tibia. All right. So, you know, spoiler alert, but we can choose exercises that either have an active uh, hamstring contraction component or no hamstring contraction uh, component. So basically, we can choose exercises that are going to cause more anterior translation or less, okay? And this is how we dose exercises, right? We'll talk about this more a bit later. The other thing we're going to chat about is going to be open chain versus closed chain exercises. So on the left, I have an image of myself squatting. This is a closed chain exercise. So basically, my feet are fixed to the floor, okay? And my torso is moving up and down. My hips are moving up and down, all right? An open chain knee extension. So imagine I'm doing seated knee extensions or long arc quad. My body is fixed and my foot is swinging openly. All right. So a closed chain exercise, spoiler, is generally a bit safer than open chain exercise. And we'll talk about why this is. So when you're doing an open chain exercise, like a knee extension, you're isolating your quadriceps. So when you're doing an open chain knee extension exercise, right? Seated knee extension, this is a bit of a no brainer. You are isolating the quadriceps, meaning that the only muscle working is really your quadriceps. Okay. The hamstrings are relatively quiet during this movement. And because of that, you're getting a lot of quad activity and that's being unopposed by the hamstrings and you're getting increased anterior translation, right? Of the tibia. Okay. So an open chain knee extension, there's no assist from the hamstring, which normally is going to reduce stress on the ACL. So open chain knee extension is going to be a bit more stress on the ACL based on this principle, okay? In the closed chain, so we're talking about a squat here. When I squat, my quadriceps are going to work, but my hamstrings are also going to work. And they call this a co-contraction, all right? What ends up happening is that you have the hamstring firing with the quad. And because of that, it's kind of like a tug of war at the tibiofemoral joint. And that's going to reduce the amount of translation that goes on in the joint. All right. And because of that, there's going to be less stress on the ACL graft. Right. Talk more about this later because this is nuanced and we can alter this based on our exercise selection. The next thing to keep in mind is that the studies that were included in this article today with Escamillo et al., some of the studies were in vivo, right? And some of these were extracted via biomechanical models, all right? So in vivo basically means a study is done in humans or in animals, okay? And the problem with this type of study is that there's a limited utility. 
basically to get subjects into this study, you have to do surgery on them. You have to put them under, open up the knee, right? You have to put these receptors inside of the ACL to figure out how much stress the ACL is taking. You have to close it up, right? Keep the receptor inside that knee, right? So you have a piece of machinery inside the knee, right? Something's going to pick up that feedback of how much stress the ACL is taking. And then immediately after you wake them up and you have them exercise. Okay. Now, because of this, we can't do a lot of heavy loading. We can't really load outside the sagittal plane. We have to use lighter loads. So that makes it challenging because we want to see how much stress goes on the ACL with higher level movements like heavy squats, lunges, running, jumping, changing direction. You really can't do that with in vivo studies, which is kind of the gold standard. Okay. Because of that, we end up using these biomechanical models to predict how much stress the ACL graft is taking. All right. Now we have a bit of research to show that these biomechanical models are giving us information that's similar to the in vivo studies, right? The other piece is that this is not a perfect science and you have to take a lot of these numbers with a grain of salt because at the end of the day, it's not like we did an in vivo study and had people squat heavy, run, jump, change direction. We didn't do that. Okay. So we're, it's our best guess based on biomechanical models, uh, how much stress is going through the graft. Okay. So you're not entirely sure how accurate these are. Uh, the other thing to keep in mind is that the numbers I'm going to share with you today are based on biomechanical models, right? They're not based on in vivo studies. Okay. So what did this study show? Well, we're looking at peak strain on the ACL, right? So let's say I'm doing open chain knee extension. The peak strain is the top amount of strain that the ACL takes. Okay. And the ACL takes most stress between zero and 30 degrees of knee extension. And this goes for the open chain and the closed chain. So if I'm doing a seated knee extension, I start at 90 and I go to zero. The most stress on the ACL is going to be somewhere between zero and 30 and zero to 15 is really the most. Okay. This is the same as a squat. So if I'm standing up with the weight of my back and I start to descend into a squat, the ACL is stressed most between zero and 30 degrees of knee extension. Okay. So kind of towards the top portion of the movement. All right. Uh, the other part is that zero degrees is considered a position of stability. All right. And what's kind of interesting to me is that after ACL reconstruction, obviously you end up doing a lot of straight leg raises, right? And if you're at zero degrees, it's a position of stability. It's probably not that much stress on the ACL, but how many of your patients have a quad lag and they're basically sitting in five to 15 degrees <laughs> of knee extension. They're probably putting a decent amount of stress on that ACL, right? So just a little bit of food for thought for you. Okay. Now what they found is that stress on the ACL was lowest between 150 degrees of knee extension. Okay. And really there's minimal to no strain on the ACL in these positions. So if I'm descending into a squat after I get to around 50 or greater degrees of knee flexion, little to no stress on the ACL. Same thing goes with open chain knee extension. So if I only do an open chain knee extension between 90 and 50 degrees, that's minimal to no stress on the ACL. It's one of the reasons why you'll see in these ACL reconstruction protocols, they want you to start off with open chain knee extension through a partial range, 90 to 50, just because it's less or no stress to that ACL. Okay. The other piece is that if you want to increase stress on the ACL, increase the load. Okay. And that's a bit of a no brainer. So I'm taking this stat directly from the study. This was an in vivo model, right? So inside of a person's knee, ACL strains 
during the isometric seated leg extension using a 30 Newton torque as resistance were 4.4% at 15 degrees knee angle, right? 2% at 30 degree knee angle and no ACL strain at 60 and 90 knee angles. So as you can see at 15 degrees, stress is highest Two, or excuse me, 30 degrees, 2%. So quite a bit lower, but still higher. And then once you get to 60 and 90, no stress on the ACL. All right. And this is the reason why you'll see folks do um, knee extension strength testing early on after ACL reconstruction at around 70 to 90 degrees of knee flexion, because there's literally no stress on the ACL in that uh, degree of flexion. So let's talk about stress on the ACL during closed chain exercises. So what kind of exercise are we talking about here, right? So closed chain just simply means the foot is going to be fixed while the rest of the body moves, all right? So it's going to be your squats, split squats, step ups. Like I said, when your foot is fixed to the floor, okay? And these in general are very, very safe for the ACL graft. And the reason being is probably because there's a co-contraction of the hamstrings and the quads. And the hamstrings are going to assist the ACL or unload the ACL, okay? It's also kind of neat is that load did not change stress on the ACL. So if you go from an unloaded bodyweight squat to a 12 rep max back squat, doesn't change the amount of stress on the ACL, okay? Second piece is that speed did not change stress on the ACL. And this was looking at stair climbing. So if you go up a stair very slowly versus up a stair very quickly, speed is not changing stress on the ACL, okay? What else alters stress on the ACL with closed chain exercises? So torso inclination and knee position are going to affect ACL strain, okay? So if I'm doing a squat and I send my hips back aggressively, that's going to incline my torso. And this is going to reduce stress on the ACL, okay? Thought process is if I send my hips back, creates more of a moment arm for my hip, Okay, the hamstrings attach to the hip. The hamstrings are now going to be doing a bit more work, and that's going to decrease stress on the ACL. When I send my hips back, I have more of a torso uh, inclination. It's also going to decrease the amount of work from the quads. So if I send my hips back, you have more work for the hips and hamstrings, less work for the quads, and subsequently, it's going to be less stress on the ACL. Okay, if I do the opposite, so if I have a very upright torso, and I bring my knees forward, that's going to increase stress on the ACL. Thought process here is if I squat very upright, really bring my knees forward, potentially elevate the heels, I put my quads in a good position to produce force. I create a bigger moment arm for my quads, right? And I create a smaller moment arm for my hips and hamstrings. Because of that, I'm not getting the hamstring pulling the tibia posteriorly as much, and the quad is more active, and that's pulling the tibia more anteriorly, okay? So we can modify the stress on the ACL just by changing the variation of squat that we use. In this study, they also found that if you add a heel lift, so if you squat on a slant board, use an Olympic weightlifting shoe, if you elevate the heels on top of some plates, let's say, that's going to increase stress on the ACL, okay? And the thought process was, same thing I said before, if you elevate the heels, that's going to drive the knees forward when you squat, okay? So the further the knee goes past your toe, the more stress on the quads, the more stress on the ACL graft, okay? And this stat came straight from the study. So increasing the heels 
resulted in over three times the ACL loading compared with squatting with the heels on the ground. Okay. And that makes sense. We're really driving that knee forward, increasing quad activity, increasing stress and ACL graft. So the same thing went for split squat exercises and single legged exercises. So if I use a very short stride in a lunge, that's going to drive my knee over the toe more, more quad, more ACL graft strain. Okay. If I do a single legged squat and I really send my knee far over my toe, same deal, more quad, more ACL graft strain. And again, I apologize to the listeners right now for the podcast, but I have another image that will hopefully show you this, uh, show this point and make it make a little more sense to you. So I have an infographic here of myself squatting and on the far left, I'm doing a box squat. And as you can see, I'm really sending my hips back. And if you look at my center of mass, right. And you look how much of a moment arm there is for the hip. It's big. Okay. And the moment arm for my knee is tiny. So what that means is that my hip and my hamstring are producing a lot of force. Okay. The quad, very little and because of that, very little stress on that ACL. If I go all the way to the right, you'll see me doing a heels elevated goblet squat and you'll see just how upright my torso is, right? What happens is that knee really gets jammed forward. Okay. What also happens, the hip comes forward too. So the moment arm for the hip and the hamstring is actually very small. And the moment arm for the knee is big. And what that means is that the quads can be much more active. The hamstring is going to be less active and we're going to have more stress on the ACL as a result. Okay. So I can very easily dose stress on the ACL by starting off with squat variations where I'm sending my hips back. As I start to progress, and I want more stress on the ACL. I can get a little bit more upright. And if I really want to load up the ACL, I can be very, very upright and drive my knees forward by adding heel lift, right? The other factor to keep in mind is going to be what's called tibial plateau inclination. Okay. So I have an image of a knee here, right? Skeleton. And imagine you're looking at someone from the side and they're squatting. Okay. So in the first image, the knee over toe image, you can see the knee is not very far over top of the toe. And this red line here is going to represent the tibial plateau. Okay. And that's going to be the bottom surface of the tibial femoral joint. Okay. Now, if my knee doesn't drive past my toe, you can see that the femur sits directly on top of a very level surface, the tibial plateau. Okay. As I go more and more knee past the toe, when I squat or lunge or any other exercise, you can see that tibial plateau is going to incline more and more forward, right? Which is going to cause more shear forces, more anterior shear forces on the ACL. Okay. So the quad being very active combined with the tibial slope, right? That occurs, um, that it becomes greater as my knee comes over top of my toe is going to increase stress on that ACL. All right. If you guys want a very, very in-depth guide to exercise prescription and progressions for knee pain, like ACL reconstruction, but as well as patellofemoral pain, meniscus pathology, and a couple others, then definitely consider subscribing to Fitness Pain-Free Insiders. Inside of there, I have a lecture called Exercise Prescription and Progression, excuse me, Progressions for the Knee. We go super in-depth on where to start exercise-wise and how to progress over the course of time, uh, how to know when you need to pull back, when you have to pull forward, uh, the differences and the nuances between different pathologies, I go super in depth. So I'll put a link in the show notes to check this out, fitnesspainfree.com. Click on the programs link, click on Fitness Pain Free Insiders Online Library, and check out this exercise prescription and progressions for the knee lecture. 
great next step for learning more about exercise prescription and knee pain. So that is it for part one of the fitness pain-free show episode about ACL reconstruction exercise prescription. On the next one, we're going to take a deep dive into open chain knee extension and some practical takeaways for you. All right. If you want to check out the references, I've left them all in the show notes. If you want to argue or debate or talk about any of these studies, I love hearing about it. Let me know in the comment section. And lastly, I just want to extend a very big thank you. Thank you so much for listening. Hopefully you got some good information from this. If you want to support me, hit that like button, comment, subscribe, leave a positive rating and review. It helps me out tremendously. And I'll see you guys on the next one.